what is to spread the news? The day of judgment will soon be nigh. As the Lord in his wisdom looks down from on high. Will his battle be lost? By mixing the races. We want beautiful babies, not ones with brown faces. Never, never, never I say. For the Ku Klux Klan is here to stay. Never, never, never I say. Good afternoon, historians, and welcome to our next lesson in the Free at Last unit, in which today we're going to be focusing on the Ku Klux Klan. Now, the song that you heard as a means of introduction to this podcast is taken from the 1988 movie Mississippi Burning, which is loosely based on the murders of Cheney, Goodman and Schrickner. And this took place in uh, Mississippi County, in which three activists were abducted and murdered in June 1964 during the Civil Rights Movement. And these men were a part of Dr. Luther King's movement, having a look at trying to break down this whole notion of separate but equal, but to have equality between the two races. And it was quite a mysterious event that took place. Uh, after the disappearance of the men, there was initially a missing persons piece. The civil rights workers' burnt out car was found near a swamp three days later after their disappearance. An extensive search in the area conducted by the FBI, local and state authorities and 400 United Navy sailors. The three men's bodies were only discovered two months after thanks to a tip-off and during the investigation it emerged that members of the local white knights of the Ku Klux Klan in the county as well as involving the sheriff's office and the Philadelphia Police Department were involved in the incident. So we had an incident in which we had members of the KKK that were involved in high strata of society in terms of police and judicial network. And the murder, particularly of these activists, sparked national outrage and extensive federal investigation filed as Mississippi Burning, where the movie takes its inspiration from. In 1967, after the state government refused to prosecute, the United States federal government charged 18 individual civil, civil rights violations. Seven were convicted and received relatively minor sentences for their actions. And uh, particularly, most of these men um, also served um, a life sentence. And particularly one major one, Igor Ray Killen, uh, died in prison in January 2018. So it's quite relevant in having a look at the violence that is ensuing in the southern states. And something that's quite poignant um, this week, I don't know if you've been watching the news and finding out what has been happening in America, because as I've said to you at the start of the introduction of this course, that we're going to be looking up until like 1968. And if there's a question mark um, beside that, you know, can we really decide in 1968 that there is really equality taking place in America? And particularly recently, um, just the past three days here, that America has been convulsed into nationwide protests over the death of an African-American man in police custody. And this man, who was 46 years old, died after being arrested by police outside a shop in uh, Minnesota. And footage of the arrest on the 25th of May shows a white police officer, Derek Chauvin, kneeling on Mr. Floyd's neck whilst he was pinned to the floor. And this police officer has since been then charged with murder. The key events that led to Mr. Floyd's death happened just within 30 minutes based on accounts from witnesses with video footage and official statements. It's clear to know that um, he was buying a packet of cigarettes from a grocery store. Uh, believing the $20 bill he used to be counterfeit, a store employee reported to the police. 
Mr. Floyd having lived in Minneapolis for several years from moving there in his native state of Texas. He recently been working as a bouncer in the city, but like millions of other Africans, Americans was left jobless by the coronavirus in the pandemic. Mr. Floyd had regular, was a regular at this grocery store. It was described as having a friendly face, a pleasant customer who never caused any trouble. But um, the person that he was normally would deal with at the grocery store each day wasn't actually working. And when they came through then to the police that there was a counterfeit money, the police got involved and then it turned into a serious um, repression here. When the police arrived, Mr. Floyd was sitting with two other people in his car uh, in the corner. And after approaching the car, one of the officer, Thomas Lane, pulled out a gun and ordered Mr. Floyd to show his hands. Uh, and on kind of the incident, prosecutors did not explain why Mr. Lane thought it necessary to, to draw his gun because uh, Mr. Floyd himself was not armed. Mr. Lane prosecutor said that put his hands on Mr. Floyd and pulled him out of the car. Then Mr. Floyd actively resisted being handcuffed. Once handcuffed, though, that Mr. Floyd became compliant with Mr. Lane explained about being arrested was passing counterfeit currency. It was when the officers tried to put Mr. Floyd in the squad car that the struggle ensued. At around 2014, Mr. Floyd stiffed up, fell to the ground, told the officers he was claustrophobic, according to the report. That when Mr. Chauvin, the police officer, arrived at the scene, he and the other officers were involved in further attempt to put him into the police car. During this attempt, Mr. Trump pulled Mr. Floyd out of the passenger seat, caused him to fall on the ground, and the report said he lay there face down, still in handcuffs. That's when it started to film Mr. Floyd, who appeared to be in a distressed state. These moments captured on multiple mobile phones and shared widely on social media would prove Mr. Floyd's last. Mr. Floyd was restrained by officers while Mr. Chauvin placed his left knee behind his head and neck, or sorry, between his head and neck. I can't breathe, Mr. Floyd said repeatedly, pleading for his mother and begging, please, please, please. For 8 minutes and 46 seconds, Mr. Shulman kept his knee on Mr. Floyd's neck and the prosecutor's report says about 6 minutes into that period, Mr. Floyd became non-responsive. In videos of the incident, this is when Mr. Floyd fell silent as bystanders urged the officers to check his pulse. One of the officers did that, checking Mr. Floyd's right wrist but couldn't find one and the officers yet would not move. Mr. Shulman removed his knee from Mr. Floyd's neck. Motionless, Mr. Floyd was rolled into the gurney and taken into Hempin County Medical in an ambulance and he was pronounced dead an hour later. And from this here that we have had um, a series of posts on social media talking about you know, Black Lives Matter, talking about the injustice here of the, the police, like why were they using excessive um, force here to try to restrain him. And it really has brought up this issue still in America. Are black people considered to be equal to white Americans? So from this, um, bearing that in mind, we're going to turn to the Ku Klux Klan, which you're going to see they use violence, fear and intimidation to make sure that black Americans know their place in society. And there's different stages of the Ku Klux Klan. We're going to be having a look at the 1920s and then how it builds up again um, during the civil rights movement. Um, particularly um, when it is at its height in the 1920s that we're going to see how they are protesting, marching in Washington. They became quite a strong political force to reckon with. And particularly, you know, their aims and mottos was like all about American, like 100% Americanism. And that they have a certain belief in what an American citizen looks like. 
So when you have uh, black Americans that were turning after fighting during the First World War, um, that the Klan here really is trying to re-emphasize there is a place for you in society that has been molded and that is the place that you stay. So the Ku Klux Klan began in the 1860s as a way of using fear to control the newly freed black population in the South. By the 1870s, the KKK had faded away only to reappear in 1915. The new Klux Klan claimed that immigrants, Catholics and Jews were threats to the American way of life. The Ku Klux Klan got away with most of the crimes they committed because of the way the people in the police, the legal system and courts were also members of the KKK or at least supported their ideas. So particularly um, at the end of the American Civil War, the South have lost and the North then of Abraham Lincoln is decreeing that slaves then have to be freed. And as I've said to you, you know, it's not going to be well met that the plantations were the way that the South had its livelihood controlled its economy. And particularly, you know, when you see the KKK, what really strikes you is their garments. It almost looks like something of a Halloween costume, being ghosts. And that was originally the plan in terms of being these ghost-like figures, because they're supposed to represent the dead um, soldiers that fought for the South, that fought for the Confederate during the American Civil War, and that they had returned, that they were going to hunt the black population and to really use fear to keep them in their place. So the first uh, branch of the Ku Klux Klan was established in Tennessee in May 1866. A year later, general organization of local clans was established in Nashville in April 1867. And its leaders were four members of the Confederate, the Southern Army, and its first Grand Wizard was Nathan Forrest, who was an outstanding general during the American Civil War. So that is the person that um, really is controls that. The Grand Wizard is the title for the Ku Klux Klan leader. During the next two years, Klansmen wore masks, white cardboard hats, uh, draped in white sheets, tortured and killed black Americans and those that were white that were sympathetic. Uh, they also blamed immigrants um, as well. And there were also sources of targeted hatred. And between 18... 1868 and 1870, the Ku Klux Klan played an important role in restoring right rule to North Carolina, Tennessee and Georgia. Particularly, one uh, Klan leader said, Can it be possible that the Northern people have made the black American free, but we turned the slave of society to bear in such slavery the vindictive resentments at the straps of Davis Matean towards the people of the North? Better a thousand times for the black American that the government should return him to the custody of the original owner, where he should have a master to look after his well-being, then his next should be placed under the heel of society, vindictive towards him, because he is free. At first, the major objective of white supremacy organisations such as the Ku Klux Klan, the White Brotherhood, Men of Justice, even too as well, uh, it's to really stop black people from voting. And after white governments have been established in the South, the Ku Klux Klan continued to undermine the power of its black Americans. Successful black businesses were attacked and any attempt to form a black protection group, such as trade unions, were quickly dealt with. So particularly, they do start during the 1860s as a way of controlling newly freed slaves through fear. The KKK terrorised rural communities with nighttime raids on black households, carried out heavy armed men in scary disguises, as well as um, distributing propaganda, which we'll get to shortly.
Rumours were deliberately put about that the Ku Klux Klan were really the returning ghosts of soldiers killed in the Civil War. The KKK spread quickly, supported by white Southerners who wanted some way of controlling a large number of freed slaves. There were other violent racist groups in the South after the Civil War, but particularly when it comes to um, these groups combined to make the lives of newly freed slaves worse than slavery. And that's the propaganda that comes across. There's quite an iconic uh, propaganda poster by the Klan, which is available in the PowerPoint, in which you'll see a soldier shaking hands with that of a Klan member and you have uh, black American citizens in the middle harrowing in fear and above it it says worse than slavery and that is what they want to do they want them to make sure they know where their ma- who their master is in society they want them to make sure that they know where they rank in society that they are low that they are in fear they're not allowed to vote they do not have equal opportunities and it's really the clan are surpassing that status of the former plantation owner that they're using excessive violence and repression to make sure that they know their worth. So particularly, um, the clan here has a re-emergence in 1915. And it's by a man known William J. Simmons, who was a preacher influenced by the book, The Ku Klux Klan, published in 1905. And the film in the book, Birth of a Nation, directed by D.W. Griffin. The National Association of Advancement of Colour People became the main opponent of the Ku Klux Klan, to show the members of the organisation would not be intimidated, it held its 1920 annual conference in Atlanta, considered at the time to be the most active Ku Klux Klan areas in America. So the Klan is and still is a secret terrorist organisation that started in southern states following the US Civil War. It died down in the late 19th century, but in 1915 a new Klan was established helped by the newly released blockbuster film A Birth of a Nation. The movie showed the Ku Klux Klan as protectors of Southern white society against black terror. It was a huge success, becoming the first film to make over $10 million in the box office and the first movie to be shown to the White House, the home of the US president. The image of the Klan in the movie as heroic defenders of the American way of life was nonsense, but many white Americans believed it. Black Americans knew that the Klan was an organisation that used fear and violence as well as, as a way of defying and denying them their civil rights. So after the First World War, the Ku Klux Klan becomes extremely hostile to Jews, Roman Catholics, um, communists as well, people that they identify as foreigners. And in November 1922, Herman Evans became the Klan's imperial wizard. So remember, imperial wizard, it's the full on title for um, the Klan. And under his leadership, the organisation grew rapidly. And in the 1920s, Klansmen were elected to positions of political power. This included state officials in Texas, Oklahoma, Indiana, Oregon and Maine. And by 1925, membership increased to that of 4 million. Even on rare occasions they were arrested for serious crime, Klansmen were unlikely to be convicted by their Southern jurors because, you know, some could share racist notions or the fact that there's people in Klan membership quite high up, the charges then can be dismissed. So how is it that they are organised then? So the KKK was known as the Invisible Empire. So that was their official title and was led by the Grand Wizard of the Empire. Local clan organisations were called Claverins and KKK members had to be native-born Americans, white Protestant male and aged over 16 years. No black Americans, Roman Catholics or Jews were allowed in the clan. There were special clan sectors and sections for women. 
1915, the KKK uniform was created. Clansmen wore robes or sheets, a mask topped with pointed hoods. The clan's holy book, apart from the Bible, was called the Chlorin. The new Ku Klux Klan claimed to be a patriotic organisation, protecting the American way of life and devoted to 100% Americanism. The KKK attacked any group it called un-American. This meant that any group of people which the Klan believed was threatening traditional way of life. In the 1920s, all non-Protestant, new immigrants and black Americans became targets for Klan attacks. The KKK used fear to stop black Americans registering to vote and did not accept black people as equal citizens. In the South, the Klan's main targets were black Americans. An old farmer worker remembered, if coloured folks tried to become better themselves, the KKK would come and murder them. When voting time came round, the KKK would be waiting outside working voting places. No coloured folks would try to vote. The Klansmen believed Americans, and black Americans particularly, to be inferior human beings and therefore were against any civil rights laws. The Klan also regarded Catholic Jews and even divorced women to be that of outlaws. Until 1918, the KKK had little influence, but after 1920, it grew rapidly. The Klan burned large crosses on hillsides and near the homes of people they wished to frighten. If the intended victims would still not do what the Klansmen wanted them to do, victims might be kidnapped, whipped, mutilated or murdered. Mass clansmen marched through the streets of towns and cities carrying posters threatening various people with punishment and warning others to leave town. So what you can see here is a racist organisation that claims itself to be deeply religious. Um, it doesn't believe in women obtaining a divorce, don't like uh, people outside that religious sect, you know, Catholics and Jewish persons as well, and do not like people of colour they don't like black americans and you have an image here of a very violent uh, repressive group and they are going to make black americans life hell and you'll see that when it comes to the civil rights movement with dr martin luther king the clan tries to target him and his family and um, sets bombs off at his home as well that they are wanting to keep on having this message of white supremacy. Now, when you look at the PowerPoint that I have loaded up, you'll see particularly on the first slide that will be asking you what are these people looking at? And you'll see um, two bodies suspended in the background in which we have young uh, black American boys that have been hung from a tree known as, as lynching. And you have the times people out and they're getting their picture taken beside it. Nowadays, if that were to happen, there would be a national outcry. These people would be rounded up, you know, branded accessories to murder for witnessing a crime such as this. But back during those days, this was considered to be the norm and that the clam here was really trying to fight for an American way of life. And particularly when you see the images, you know, burning the crosses was used as a sign of a warning for black Americans that were watching you behave the fact that they could even march on Washington in the 1920s with a, a membership of four million here really shows you the psyche of what it was like that people did not like them and they wanted to have um, suppression that Jim Crow laws just simply was not enough. And particularly when you have a look at 12, 13 and 14 slides, you know, you do see the, the image of violence here. Unfortunately, a young uh, black American who has body has been burnt um, 
and you just can see the spectators around it and smiling faces as well. And it's just unfathomable to us, but it really allows us to tap into what people thought what was going to be. And particularly Heron Wesley Evans, who uh, was the second Imperial Wizard of the Ku Klux Klan, he famously said, no, the history of the world is the fight for survival of the white race. Either we win or we die. The clan will not die. And that really showcases here how they want to go out fighting. It is um, a terrorist organisation. You know, they have its roots in the small towns, uh, rural communities. It began as reaction for the defeated whites in the aftermath of the Civil War and fears about attacking their way of life. Um, that in 1892, it's estimated by historians that there was 155 um, lynchings alone. And then particularly when you have birth of a nation, which is great propaganda for showing that how these black Americans are shown to be trying to prey on young American girls and how they are seen to be the heroes. It's almost like, you know, when you look at what Hitler did towards Jewish persons in Germany about how Jews were drawn in this very grotesque way and how they were trying to contaminate the youth. The clan here are using similar propaganda and it really gets people to think, you know, like we really want to protect uh, our American way of life. And particularly, it's all about really showcasing their power too, um, as well, that they want to keep people in their place. So in terms of their hierarchy, you know, over the age of 16 years, you have to be Protestant, you have to be white, you have to be native-born American. So you have to be born on American soil. Above them, we have the local clan organisations known as the Claverins. And the grand top of this, we have our Grand Wizard of the, the Emperor there, of the Empire, sorry. So the KKK had the strongest in the South, however, their local units dense all over America. New members would join in a secret via elaborate ceremonies and they would burn the American flag and wooden crosses. They would use secret uh, code words known as conversations and even have a strict rule book that was known as the Chlorine as well. So there, there's quite an organisation to this. And um, there was a great documentary. Unfortunately, it's never been uploaded to YouTube. It was done a number of years ago. And um, Channel 4 were investigating the current clan because they still exist in America today. And there was many different rumours that, you know, the clan was supporting Donald Trump's um, presidential campaign. And you see a journalist talking to a, a grand wizard and say, you know, that how his uh, father and grandfather were responsible for awful beatings. There was one incident where they had found a young black American boy, had chained him to the back of a truck and drove um, for hours. And the idea, you could just imagine like, what that would do to the skin and what that would do to the body. And the journalist turns around and he asks, you know, do you feel ashamed for what your father and what your grandfather did? And he goes, no, I don't. I actually feel very proud. Um, it makes me proud to be America. American it makes me proud to be a part of the clan myself and it's just quite scary how people have these these mind frames and particularly so um how people escape justice um too as well so the clan often burned large crosses and hillsides near homes of people to make them frightened they also kidnap whip mutilate or murder black americans as well and they would march through towns and cities uh, carrying posters threatening uh, violence as well so they really believe that black americans are in fear 
They're against civil rights laws. They hate Jews, Catholics, and even divorced women. And for divorced women, you'd be tarred and feathered. And the KKK claimed that they were protecting the American way of life. So the support for the, during the 1920s grows for the Klan because unemployment is growing because there's been a Great Depression in America. New immigrants are flooding into the states. Black Americans were moving north and competing with poor uh, white Americans for jobs. And a lot of people saw the Klansmen as their protectors. So let's have a talk here about what lynching is. So black Americans in the southern states lived in fear of lynching. Lynching meant black people being tortured and murdered by a mob who believed the black person had done something wrong. Victims were hanged and mutilated and their bodies often burned. The federal government did almost nothing to stop the lynching and was very difficult for black Americans to have any form of justice in the states, and particularly in the southern states. The Klan was heavily involved in lynching. In 1920, a newspaper reported that a black American was chained to a tree stump, beaten and then castrated. The fire was lit and hundreds of men and women, old and young, joined hands together and danced around the burning person. That night, there was a big party held at a nearby barn. Now, imagine that scene in which you'll see both genders, you'll see various ages, all like going around hands like you know it's something which like it's something very grotesque here as well um like you know if that was something in a movie it would be very uncomfortable viewing but this is what happened the point about lynching is it did not follow any legitimate legal process there was no trial no defense and no judge yet nothing to be done to stop it many anti-lynching bills were put before congress but not one of them was passed due to the powerful southern opposition it was not until 1952 that no lynchings were reported, the very first year since the Civil War, almost 90 years before. Of course, that does not necessarily mean that nobody was lynched. So particularly, you no know, lynching could be at the wrong place at the wrong time, but also, for example, um, like in the book To Kill a Mockingbird, how a black American is accused of raping a white American woman. And the crowd, the mob, want to lynch him, like they want to have justice in their own hands. They want to suspend him, hang him from a tree. So sometimes it could be done for what people call injustices too as well. And particularly you know, in To Kill Mockingbird, like you do hear like talks about the clan, you do have people trying to come to the prison and to, to lynch this young man because they feel that he is guilty for this crime and which he is not. So um particularly in terms of its importance, like imagine like four million uh, members as well. So it's difficult to know how many members in the clan because it had secret organization. One estimate says it could be around 3 million, other people would argue 4 million in 1924. Their point to remember is that the Klan did have important friends. In the 1920s, the Klan was powerful enough to hold large meetings through Washington, D.C., the capital of America. It seemed as nothing could be done to stop the terror antics or the tactics of the Klan. Although the KKK was popular with some Americans, the organisation was still illegal. It used terrorist tactics, but few Klansmen were arrested, and some places in the KKK were held by local officials. By the end of the 1930s, the Klan was just not as important as it had been, but terror and fear meaned and difficulty of winning any justice or fair treatment still dominated the minds of black Americans, especially the South. The novel To Kill a Mockingbird was published in 1960. The author Harper Lee based her story on events in her hometown in 1936 when she was 10 years old. The novel set in Alabama, which is the Deep South. A lawyer, Actus Finch, is appointed to defend Tom Robson, a black man who's been accused of raping a young white woman. 
Finch becomes a figure of hate in the town for defending the black man and the white mob call many derogatory names. And even uh, he acted as Fitch tries to stop the mob from lynching Tom. Finch proves that Tom did not commit the crime, but nevertheless, the jury finds Tom guilty. Faced with a death penalty, Tom tries to escape from prison but is shot dead. And the novel shows the intolerance, prejudice and race hatred that existed in the southern states of the USA in that of the 1930s.